Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran former law enforcement officer and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have a very special show for you today. Uh, today is a unique day. You've, you've reached the collision of faith and politics, by the way. Um, it's good to have you here. The title of today's show is The Real Truth Behind the Orlando Murders and the Liberal Gun Purchases denied look there's a there's a truth to truth that doesn't fall sweetly to the ears but it's a salve to the souls of those who know we're being lied to not occasionally but regularly look it used to be we got lied to once in a while now we're getting lied to all the time every day so the question is who and what should we trust and and ultimately that's a tough one Uh, we might also if we get a chance we might discuss why christians are voting for donald j trump and our we have a guest today i'm really excited about this uh stephen Turley, PhD, Dr. Stephen Turley. You've heard Dr. Turley on the show before, but today's show is going to blow your socks off. He wrote an article that I think uh, it really deserves um, to be spread far and wide, going viral, I should say. So tell your friends, if you're on a mobile device, hang with us. Listen, I know the people in chat really get frustrated because you get bounced out a lot. Um, sometimes when you're, by the way, I found this out, sometimes when you're your device goes to sleep mode, that's when uh, a lot of people get kicked out. So if there's some way in settings that you can set that, um, we have about 60% of our audience listens on iPhones. And then uh, another big chunk is on Android devices, and then the rest is uh, on PCs and Macs uh, on a desktop. So listen, we're honored to have you. I'm, I'm just honored. So if you get a chance to share it, share the link, the uh, you know the short link that would be awesome. People that join, just tell them, hey, if you join, you may have to catch up a little bit. You might be a little bit behind, uh, but you want to listen live. That's the key. You want to click on listen live, and uh, put comments. You know, put comments on there. Also visit drshawngreener.com, d-r-s-h-a-w-n-g-r-e-e-n-e-r.com, or the ninja pastor. And uh, when that little tile pops up about joining our our uh, notification list, mailing list. When I write a blog post, you'll know right away. If I'm going to be in your city, you'll know right away. So uh, it's kind of like our inside information, insider information. So click on that. It's free of charge. We don't spam you. We don't share your name. We have no means of sharing your name. It's locked down. So uh, it, would be, it would be my honor to do that. And that way you can be more up to speed on what's happening. Thank you for everybody uh, joining us all across the globe. Uh, it's, it's just an honor. Um, we have chat open, um, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's cool. Chat is a cool thing now 
we're we are uh, transitioning from Mondays, and of course we always do the Sunday uh, message. Now that's a one hour commercial free message, and um, it's one of those things. It's uh, it's a very different thing. It's a hardcore lot of comments on Sunday's message. If you uh, if you get the chance, it, it's entitled "What Makes Us Free," and I'm told that um, you know I know based on my my emails that I've gotten and messages that that one was uh, one that is, is helping a lot of people. So I'm, you know, that's what I'm about. That's why I do what I do. And, um, you know, for me, it's very, very important uh, to do this. And, and I, I really want to be a value for you. So when you send me messages, uh, smgreener at gmail.com, that's smgreener at gmail.com, or you go to the ninjapastor.com, and you click on contact us and, and, you know, you can send us messages through that. When you do that and you tell me what it means to you, when you go to the comments of the different blog posts and you put comments, when you go to our Facebook page, God and Country Radio Show uh, page, when you go to uh, facebook.com backslash smgreener and you click on follow and at the Ninja Pastor, if you're on Twitter, I'm also on uh, at the Ninja Pastor or the Ninja Pastor on uh, Instagram. That's where I share my photography. So, but it means a lot to me. And I'll tell you what, I got uh, many messages this past week that really, really touched my heart um, that were encouraging, uplifting, and uh, really powerful for me. Look, I'm a live audience kind of guy. I like to speak live. I like to look out and see a sea of people. And uh, so if, if you would like to have me come to your organization anywhere in the country, we'll go anywhere in the United States, um, and speak to your group, I'd be glad to do it. it. It'd be an honor for me to come and do it. So you contact us through um, the ninjapastor.com, the contact me part there, and we'll do that. My point in that is I'm in a studio, and the walls are black and scarlet, and uh, I'm a little doggy here, so if you hear her bark, she's defending me against liberalism and the attack of Islam. Uh, so she's busy, little Buckeye, she's busy. By the way, you'll remember her name is Buckeye. She's named after the Ohio State Buckeyes, congratulations to all the Cleveland fans, uh, Cleveland Cavalier fans. Much deserved, boy, that game was something. So um, I, I do want to take a minute and just say this. Uh, you know, you mean the world to me. My audience means the world to me. And it, it's really, really important for me um, to tell you that. So it's, it's a... Uh, it's just a it's just a powerful thing for me, and I don't want you to think that for a moment I take you for granted. If you uh, support what we do and you're encouraging uh, what we do and you, you want to help out with that, there's a donate page on the website, theninjapastor.com. Um, whatever amount you give goes directly to this ministry. The show today, also I should just tell you, is partially underwritten by www.goldrushninja. You do realize what's happening right now in Venezuela it can, and it will happen easily happen here. Uh, so you just go to goldrushninja.com and you'll receive a free no obligation report. Uh, if you like videos, there's free no obligation videos there too. Um, they won't sell your name either. And so you can learn what you absolutely must know today. Look, it's powerful stuff. So today's show is dedicated to some very, very fine people. Um, it's dedicated to the Sellers family, uh, the Cahalan family, the Rickards family, and the Maxwell family. Carson Sellers family, listen, and the Summers family. Of course, Jerry Summers, one of my very best friends. 
ever in my lifetime. Uh, Jerry from PA, if you're if you're ever in uh, chat, you'll see him logged in on that. Um, but Jerry's uh, grandson Carson has been very sick for many years. He just finished a two month stint in the hospital in which he was extremely ill. We were very very concerned. Um, they can't figure out what's wrong with him. He's been all over the world. Please don't send me messages saying, have you talked to them about apple cider vinegar? Have you talked to them about, you know, whatever. Literally, Bryn Sellers, great mom, Jeff Sellers, great dad. They've been everywhere all over the country. Uh, they've researched every possible treatment. Um, I'll tell you the truth. You know, it's exasperating, but we pray to a living God. We pray to the healer. Uh, that Carson will be healed for his glory, for God's glory. And I know Carson and his family and the Summers family are absolutely just eager to give God praise for that. Now, you know, uh, everyone across the globe now, Carson, is praying for you. And uh, you're a great kid. And uh, I shouldn't say kid, man. He's old. He's old now. Uh, but uh, your whole family, we're praying for your whole family and your extended family. And if we at the show can help you in any way, please let us know. Chris Cahalan, my dear brother, he was here on Sunday. So if you listen to the message on Sunday, you'll hear comments from him. Uh, it's free of charge. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to. It's commercial free. We are praying for you, my brother. We're praying for the Cahalan family, your great kids. We're praying uh, for your mom, and your sister, and everybody in your family, but especially for you and Jessica. This is a tough thing, man. Uh, pancreas cancer is tough. I just want you to know I have your uh, praying for a miracle, Chris Cahalan, uh right on my wrist. It is a little small, so I might have to have my right hand uh, amputated. So if we could find a bigger one for the next order of these little bands, that would be great. No, by the way, did you know it glows in the dark? But I love you, brother. Uh, we've been friends a long time, long, long time. And Chris is a great, great man of God, great dad, great husband. Um, Great father. I mean, he's really, really great. Great guy and a great student of the word. And he trusts God. And, and that's a powerful thing. Powerful, powerful uh, message that he has for the world going through pancreas cancer. He's 46 years old. So he was here on Sunday and we, we really enjoyed having him. Um, I took a photograph. It's all over Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram of the sunset the day he he had just left. And I walked out back. I was walking my dog. And I uh, walked out back after the message and after everybody left, and all of a sudden I look across the pond, and there it is. And it's just a, a powerful, powerful sunset. And I believe God gives us things like that. I call them God winks. And uh, it's just kind of a little bit of a wink. But Chris went, Chris and uh, Aunt Barb and, and Jessica uh, went to Washington, D.C. and this advocacy day, and they, they lobbied their congresspeople for um, funding for pancreas research. You know, it's an 8% survival rate. But breast cancer gets uh, about 80% of the dollars and, ironically, 80% survival rate now, whereas pancreas cancer gets less than 8% and has an 8% survival rate. And there's a, I believe there's a correlation there. So then the other person to whom uh, this show is dedicated is Eric, my brother since uh, first grade. Uh, we have been friends a long, long time. We graduated together. I want you to know the happy warriors are praying for you, uh, my dear friends. Um, they're praying for you all around the globe. Also, uh, Don, my buddy, Don, I won't say his last name cause I didn't get permission from him to do that. Uh, but my buddy, Don and Eric are, are fighting the same cancer, my multiple myeloma. And so we're praying for you, uh, for you both. And, and we just want you to know that now this is, uh, something I hope I can get through without bawling. I want you to understand that in, in, in 
in life, you know, we we get the opportunity to be around um and say we're having some trouble. Um dang it. Now I have a lot of people in that are saying they're not having any problem. I don't know. It's it's crazy. Uh you know, by the way out there, if you have your cookies off, you might want to um you might want to turn your cookies on for the show. I don't know if that's a thing, but uh they tell me the least blocks you can have during Blog Talk Radio tells me that whenever you have or you can email support at blogtalkradio.com, support at blogtalkradio.com. You can email them directly, and they will, um, they will absolutely help you. Uh, it, it's, um, you know, during the show, tell them you're trying to log into the Collision of Faith and Politics, you're having trouble. And hopefully they, they will be able to help you. But for whatever reason, uh, it's, it's, we're just having a struggle. But I just wanted to uh, tell you that in your lifetime, you will be blessed. Okay, good. Some people say they have to try logging in a bunch of times. Uh, you know, I've said this before, and, and, and I'll say it again. I think we're going to have to find a different platform. Blog Talk Radio, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's too much trouble for a lot of people to log log in. Um, it is. By the way, welcome, uh, Steve from Ohio. We, we really appreciate you listening. So many folks uh, logging in. I see a lot of people trying to log into chat, and it, it's really a struggle. Um, so keep after it. Um, we're going to work on a, a solution. We really will. But anyway, so, I, I, you know, in our lifetimes, we get to we get to interact with people. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you the truth. It's it's one of those things. Uh, you never know when this person, this pivotal person is going to come into your life. You really don't know. Uh, but they come into your life, and in my case, an extremely pivotal family for me came into my life when I was just a young kid, I mean real young kid, straight out of high school, joined the United States Navy. Uh, for a time, I was in Millington, Tennessee, and um, at a, a big naval base there, a Naval Air Station and Naval Air Aviation Technical Training Center in Millington, Tennessee. And I'm going to tell you, I went to a church called First Baptist Church of Millington, uh, Brother Ray Newcomb was the pastor there. He was the founding pastor, I think. Maybe, maybe I don't know if he was the founding pastor, but he'd been there a gazillion years. Amazing, amazing, the church. Uh, this guy used to walk around the church praying. I, I used to see him doing it. He used to blow my mind. I never saw anybody do that. And absolutely astounding how this guy, powerful. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I saw that, and I just thought to myself, oh, man. But his secretary, uh, Billie Jean Maxwell, um, I have to tell you, I love this woman literally from the second I met her. She was a dear, little slight little thing. She was so petite. And um, she was just, uh, she was an amazing lady. And ironically, I ended up coaching uh, a baseball team and a basketball team, both of which went to league championships. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, you know, there's any cor correlation there, but I happened to coach B.J. Maxwell uh, when he was just a little boy and a great kid. I mean, superstar athlete. And uh, B.J. became uh, not like a brother, but a brother to me. I, I love him dearly. I'm telling you right now. I mean, this guy is a great man of God, phenomenal preacher and um, great dad, great husband, a great son to his dad and great brother to his brothers and 
just a great friend to his friends. I'm, I'm telling you, um, I became so close with this family that uh, one time I was sitting in their, in their TV room. And I have to tell you, uh, you know, so I have like this hyper aware now since the car crash, not as much, but um, prior to that, I had this hyper aware eyesight and uh, I could see things that most people couldn't see. I'm not kidding. You. It was pretty crazy, but, and there's a lot of downside to that. But one day uh, they had this new lamp shade and I looked up the lamp and it looked like there was glue that held the plastic part that covers the lampshade. Um, Mama Max, that's what I called her. Mama Max kept that on there. You know how folks do sometimes. Well, it looked to me like it was melting and going to catch fire. So I ripped that thing off real quick and I was like, hey, this thing over. And it wasn't. You know, I just tore it up. I messed it up. But uh, they laughed about it, which was sweet. And I would have dinner there all the time. And of course, they're smaller people than me. And, uh, you know, I would eat the same amount of food that uh, Mr. Maxwell, Mama Max, and BJ ate. Literally, I would eat the same amount. And um, but they were so sweet and so wonderful to me. And I love them dearly. And we lost Mrs. Maxwell, Mama Max. We lost her many years ago. And uh, it was a devastating loss. But I got to spend, I think, almost two weeks uh, in her presence before she passed. And and um, what a woman of God. She was the secretary. The point of bringing up Brother Ray was she was the secretary uh, of to the pastor, the senior pastor at First Baptist Church Millington. And uh, we we joined the choir together. We, we sit next to each other, uh, just go on and on. But Bobby Maxwell, he I mean, he you know, Bobby Maxwell was something special. He he passed away this morning, and and the world has lost a great great man, a great father, a great husband, um, really a great friend, a great deacon, a uh, great great man of God. And and um, I'll tell you the truth, it's tough. I mean, it's it's a hard thing. He. He lived a long, good life, but the last several years were real tough. They were real, real tough, and, and God bless him. God bless his family. Um, I remember, uh, you know, Chuck, uh, I, I don't know Daryl as well, but Chuck, uh, you know, was a contemporary Christian recording artist. He's a pastor now, great pastor, great preacher. Um, and, uh, you know, they all look like their dad. It's crazy. They all look like a, a mirror image of their dad, and and so Mr. Maxwell raised some great, great young men, and he loved his grandkids, great grandkids, all that. I mean, he, he loved them. He loved them. He loved his church. He loved his friends. And, and I still remember uh, I got his phone number because he had a different phone number. I called him uh, one time several years ago uh, before he got really, really sick, really, really sick. And uh, let's see here. Uh, let Let me... I've got some folks telling me they're when they click in, they're getting a different show. So I'm going to put on, uh, just so you know, I'm going to put on chat the short link to this show. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you may have to log out and click on that one. Um, but uh, anyway, um, the point is, is that uh, I called them and I have to tell you, He's just a neat guy. He was just a neat, neat man. And he always kind of had a smile on his face. And if you ask him a tough question, he'd kind of chuckle a little bit. And then he'd give you an answer. It's it's really cool that how he would – he you know, you just never would know. You just never would know uh, of his mouth. And, and um, 
I, I have to tell you, uh, I, I loved calling him and I love talking to him because here's the reason why. Because this is how he would answer the phone. Well, Sean Greener, you know, he's Millington, Tennessee. And he, uh, I just loved it because you could tell he was smiling. Well, how you doing, Sean? Well, good to hear from you. You know, and we'd talk. I'd ask him how everybody was doing. He'd give me the rundown. And, um, you know, uh, it, it just was it just was really always lifted me. It always lifted me up. And, by the way, some folks are telling me, let's see here, this is aggravating. Support. Blog, talk. No. Um, support at blogtalkradio.com if you can email them or let me try to get the number. Um, I don't know. It's it's so aggravating, isn't it? It's really aggravating. I, I'm so sorry. As some folks, they get in every week, they have no problem. And then other folks, some of our great listeners, they 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 fight through, they get through there, they you know, I mean to tell you, it's it's really something. They stay in the fight, and I hate that. I hate that you have to do that. I want to make it easier for you. I'll find a way to do it. Uh, with what we pay to Blog Talk Radio, you'd think that we'd never have this problem. But the point of the matter is, um, is Mr. Maxwell, I tell you, you couldn't ask for a better man. I mean, he, he just um, – he just is, he was just something special. He was just something special, just a, a ray of sunshine and a kind man, a godly man. And when you, when you were his friend, boy, you had a friend and he, and uh, I, I just was so blessed. So he, he went on to his reward today. Uh, he closed his eyes. This is what we people of faith believe, closed his eyes upon this earth and, uh, and he opened them to see the face of Yeshua. And man, I'll tell you right now, there's nothing better than that, but it's hard to say goodbye. So I'll be uh, likely traveling to Tennessee here in the next several days to, to uh, go pay my respects and, and honor him at his funeral and his memorial service. So I just, if you, if you would, if you think of the Maxwell family today and the other families that I mentioned, just say a prayer for them because they're, they're, they're top notch people. Um, it's uh hold on a second. I'm told browser. Uh, help is telling me refresh your browser. If you're if you're on a home computer, refresh your browser. That's what they're telling me. Who the you know it's these I, I, I don't know. Anyway, it, it infuriates me. But you know something else that infuriates me? SB 190. Remember last week we talked about this, and we really um. We beat them to death, didn't we? We we thought we did, but they're 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 uh, they're still crawling around. Well, I told you last week. I said, listen, folks, they're going to try again. Nicole Tice was on, and of Delaware Family Policy Council, and we talked about SB 190. We in the Center for Self Governance have um, we've been fighting a lot of things, but this one, boy, this was bad. And so Nicole Tice of DFPC sent out an email early. Today, Senate Bill 190 is up for a vote today, uh, 6:22 at 3 p.m. As of last week, we had the votes to stop it, but there was a last-minute maneuver that changed the bill language and synopsis. And as of 5 a.m. this morning, just 10 hours before the vote, the new language is not available for the public to read. 
It's a bill that permanently alters our state constitution, and we don't know yet what it says. Does that sound right to you? Yet it is by the authority of the people that the state constitution is altered. Did you authorize this? Go to the Delaware Family Policy uh, Council page and read the preamble, our state preamble to the Constitution will blow your mind. Um, it's powerful. It's succinct. And given the weight of a constitutional amendment, the lack of time allotted to process and understand the underlying intentions and the legal language of this new synopsis, any potential problems, look, you've got to get a hold of your legislators. You've got to do it today. Tell them to vote now. You say, well, Sean, it's 4 o'clock. It's after 4. How can we do that? Get on the if if anything delayed them, then you know uh, we've got to we got to pound them. We got to let them see that we're not playing around. Call and email your following senators before. Well, you're not going to be able to do it before three, but you want to urge them. Leave a message if you have to. Urge them to vote no, and tell them, look, I'll do everything I can to get you out of office. This the whole bathroom bill and all this mess. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and it, and it's going to put into the Constitution things that we can't do anything about. For something so permanent as an amendment to the, to the state of Delaware Constitution, we deserve more time and a voice. Here's the numbers. Ernie Lopez, 302. By the way, Delaware is one, one area code, so I'll say it once. 302 4136 That's Ernie Lopez. Brian Bushweller, 744-4162. David McBride, 744-4167. Bruce Ennis, 744-4167. Four three one zero, Nicole Poor seven four 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 one six four, Kathy Cloutier seven four 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 one nine seven. That's a three zero two area code. Hey, listen, if you like updates like this page while you're at Delaware, you don't have to be in Delaware. Look, most of our audience is not in Delaware, uh, but I'll tell you this: it's it's uh, it's important because they want to use Delaware as a template and a springboard for the rest of the nation. I'm telling you that firsthand. Barack Obama. And his administration is behind this. That's what's pressuring this. They want it to happen. John Riddell of Faith and Freedom says, Senate Bill 190 is not about civil rights. It is not about fairness. It is not about what is right. Senate Bill 190 is about giving those who do not. I want to just say this slowly. Senate Bill 190 is about giving those who do not believe in God, those who have no trust in faith, uh, the right to help shut down our churches. Google it, Delaware SB 190. Google this bill. It's it's horrific. This is right. This is what I'm telling you. It's actually happened. If Senate Bill 190 passed, the legit the uh, LGBT crowd will have all the power they need to stop Christians from following their faith. Pastors from teaching the gospel and open the door for lawsuit after lawsuit against Christians and Christian business. Don't look at it, you know, then, then you say, well, I, I just, I don't have time. I'm just, you know, it's, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. Why can't we just let them do what they want to do? Listen, it's way more than that. It's way more than that. And if you don't believe me, listen to what Senator Karen Peterson, first openly gay uh, legislator in Delaware. Uh, she says she's going to retire. I think that's a fake. Uh, she's, she's one of the sponsors of this bill, and I'm quoting her now. You ready for this, Christians? And it never ceases to amaze me that people who wrap themselves in Scripture have no problem lying or distorting facts to further their agenda of bigotry and intolerance. It always reminds me of what Mahatma Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I dislike your Christians. 
So now we know one of the lead Democrats dislikes Christians, thinks they're bigots and thinks they're intolerant, lumps us all into the same thing, labels us all into the same thing, but they don't want to be labeled. So we we ask um, what we ask is, is she speaking for the Democratic Party or just herself? Because I think she's speaking for the whole Democrat Party. The one who complains about Christians being intolerant uses profiling to condemn all Christians simply so she can do what she wants. She herself is bigoted against Christians. Listen, if you don't call every legislator that you know, every legislator, and tell them, look, it's time to vote no. You better vote no. Because you're, let me tell you what, there's going to be rampant attacks on Christians and Christianity. If they win, I'm telling you right now, it is going to be devastating. We've got to stand and we've got to create a line that cannot be crossed. It doesn't matter what party you belong to, folks. It does not matter if you like your present political candidate or your officeholder. If they vote against Christians and support, because that's what it is, support Senate Bill 190, they're voting against Christians. We've got to vote them out. We've got to get them out of here. So call today and call often. This is our line in the sand. Listen, a Muslim can murder 50 homosexuals, and liberals will still defend this religion. But a Christian who refuses to bake a homosexual's wedding cake endures nationwide shaming on behalf of the religion. This is how ridiculous liberals look to everybody these days. But here's the thing. Here's the problem. You ready? Here's the problem. We're going along with it. We're going right along with it. We're rolling right along with it. Yep, we're rolling right along with it. We say we're too busy. We're too busy. We are too busy to do it. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, we absolutely cannot be too busy anymore. We can't be too busy. We've got to get involved. We've got to rock and roll this thing. I'm telling you right now, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. There's just no way in the world we can allow this to go on. You say, well, you know, I do Facebook posts. I do all that stuff. Um, you know, shouldn't that be enough? No. Well, I go to parades and I go to protests and I go to this and that and the other thing, you know, shouldn't that be enough? No, it's not enough. I'm telling you right now, um, and this, this is in Delaware, but we'll come to any state in the nation. You get, you get uh, 10 to 20 people in a room. We'd like more than that, but you get 10 to 20 people in a room. We will send our top people at Center for Self-Governance. I'm telling you right now, it is the secret sauce. The Center for Self-Governance, centerforselfgovernance.com. I am telling you, folks, I wouldn't say if it wasn't true. It is absolutely the secret sauce. We'll come to your state. We'll come to your town. Uh, uh, July 11th, 12th, and 13th, we're having um, events and teaching in the state of Delaware. All up and down. I'm telling you, if you live in Delaware, you need to be at this. I kid you not. And you know what? If you live in Maryland or Pennsylvania, surrounding areas, New Jersey, you should come. But you've got to go to the website, Center for Self-Governance. They don't pay me for this. I'm a level five graduate. I'm one of, I think, five or six, I think, the only so far in Delaware. But there's level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. I'm telling you right now, folks, it is absolutely the secret sauce. You've got to get involved. You've got to. We don't have a choice, folks. 
Uh, by the way, uh, today on today's show, uh, Dr. Stephen Turley, he's an internationally recognized scholar, speaker, and blogger at TurleyTalks.com. Uh, he's the author of Awakening Wonder, A Classical Guide to Truth, Goodness, and Beauty. He teaches theology, Greek, and rhetoric to Tall Oaks Classical School in Newcastle, Delaware. He's a professor of fine arts at Eastern University. And uh, he's going to be on in just a little bit. Initially, I thought we were dealing with the sufficiently troubling fact that our leaders and administration's unwillingness to address the very real and present threat of Islamic terrorism. Initially, I thought that's what we were dealing with. I, I mean, it seemed like it, didn't it? That the unwillingness to quickly deal with what was clearly another Muslim terror attack was being swept up in both the welcome um, and politically expedient distraction of both gun control and gay rights. Immediately we see this is the thing, man. Well, we've got to be about gun control. We've got to be about gay rights. We've got to push this. We can't, be, we can't be mean to Muslims. Let's get those guns. Let's be nice to Muslims. And you know what? These uh, LGBT folks all around the world, they're heroes. Look, this was appalling enough. Did they, did they put the flags at half-mast? I've looked all over the Internet, and I can't find it. For San Bernardino. Do we put the flags at half-mast for San Bernardino? No, we didn't. This was appalling enough, but, but as I prepared for the show and I educated myself, I've discovered that, that the more a citizen attempts to figure out what happened here, the more confusing and disturbing this, air quotes, tragedy becomes. You say, man, that's rude. How can you air quotes tragedy? Look, I don't use the word tragedy lightly here. And I don't use it to refer primarily to the victims of the alleged terrorist or sexually confused Muslim, according to their narrative, who murdered 50 people. I don't use it lightly. I don't throw that out there. But I need you to understand that there's more to this than meets the eye. The subsequent interviews and news reports and bizarre, nothing short of bizarre behavior by law enforcement and government officials, it's only convinced me that our nation has turned a corner, folks, and it can only be described as tragic. I, I, I kid you not. Centerforselfgovernance.com. If you want more information on that, hit me up on theninjapastor.com, contact me page, or email me directly. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it is absolutely the secret sauce. We've got to get involved. It's bad. It's much worse than we thought. I want to ask you something. Redacted 9-11, transcripts from the Orlando Police Fire and Ambulance? Redacted? So we're redacting things now? We're saying there's things that we, we just don't want you to know. We don't want to we – so we're going to take out. And ironically, what that is is reference to Islam, reference to Islamic Jihad, reference to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, uh, you know, uh, ISIS, whatever. I mean, it's just, this is why I'm doing this. Redacted. So our government says, hey, you know what? We're not going to tell you the truth of what, uh, what has happened here. We're not going to tell you what he said on the phone in the multiple phone calls, 911. We're not going to tell you that. We're not going to tell you that. He very clearly, uh, almost like it was bullet points, over and over and over declared allegiance to ISIS. We're not going to tell you that. We're not going to tell you that he did this in his allegiance to ISIS. He said, this is why I'm doing it. We're not going to tell you that. We're going to redact it. We're going to, hash, we're going to put omitted in there. We're going to take only those things out. I'm going to ask you a quick question, folks. You understand, do you understand 
that if if we permit the redacting, you say, well, Dr. Shaw and Ninja Pastor, hey, uh, uh, you must not have heard. Uh, uh, they went back on that because of all the hue and cry. No, no, no. If you think that wasn't a test balloon, I've got a I've got a news flash for you. It absolutely was not a test balloon. It was not that they that they were all of a sudden like, oh wow, we didn't expect this. They absolutely expected. They floated a trial balloon and they said, oh okay, we got to adjust here, adjust, adjust, adjust. Believe you me, they had a backup plan. So if you believe that they're they're going to send us, um, you know, they're going to send us whatever they want. Look, you're so dumb. One of our listeners. If, if we tell you everything, you're so dumb and volatile, you'll freak out. So we will decide what you get. So here's the thing, folks. I need you to understand this. Take this in. If we allow them to redact this, every single person involved with redacting that should absolutely be prosecuted for treason. You say, man, that's over the top. No, it's not. I'll explain why in a minute. Here's the thing. So first they redact things. They see how that goes. Then what do they do? Then they submit transcripts that they tell you is from the call, but guess what? It's not from the call. They tell you it is, but it's not. I'm not saying that's what they did in this case. I'm saying they tried. The start of it is redacting a bunch of stuff. And then I I remember a time where they put out a description of somebody. Look, I was a police officer. You put out a description of somebody. This is the guy that did it. This is the group that did it. You had better believe if this was an NRA member it, uh, listen, but nothing would have been redacted. Nothing at all. It had been so out there, you would have never had a chance to read anything but NRA Christian, white Christian kills a bunch of people. We got to get rid of guns. And it would be bolded and highlighted and flashing. But no, because it's a Muslim, it's Islam. Oh, no, we can't do that. What about these bizarre news conferences of the doctors and patients from the attack? Listen, I'm, I'm not making an allegation here. I'm just asking you, have you thought of these things? It's a weird situation. Um, two of the doctors' names that were there, that were sitting at the big table there, uh, Google their names. You go to and watch the video and write down the names. Google the names. Two of the doctors don't even come up until the day. They have no history at all on Google until the day of the interview. Look. You Google me, and you're going to have hundreds of pages of crap. You Google just regular Joe uh, Sussex Countyan or Josephine Sussex Countyan, you're going to have a bunch of stuff come up. Not famous. I'm not famous. Well, this guy's just on a, you know, these doctors, these two doctors that no history before the day of the interview. This was yesterday. No history of it. And, and the interviews, the very controlled interviews, uh, where the alleged victims, you know, you took care of this person, and, and how was that, and do you remember? And the nurse comes in and goes, well, I took care of Angel, and Angel was just a pleasure and so nice, and his family was so nice. What the heck is this? We're having an interview with people about how nice the person was, the alleged victim of this, of this crime was, and how, what an honor and pleasure it was to take care of him. Why? Is he a hero? He got shot up. He was in a, he was in a gay club. He got shot up. I'm sorry, but, it, you know, he's not a hero. He didn't do anything heroic. Uh, you know what to talk about? Bizarre. Bizarre. How about the interview with the guy in the Adonis stall? That's what he called it, the Adonis stall in the bathroom uh, with, with her, he said, his friend who was using the restroom stall with him when the shooting started. They said, boy, we stayed alive as we hid out in here. 
What is he's a hero now? Because he hid? Really? Well, I'll be darned. That's the new way to be a hero in the United States of America. Nobody gang up on the guy doing the shooting. Nobody, nobody flanked the guy, come around behind him and tackle him. No, we don't want to do that. Hey, he's reloading and reloading and reloading. We know he had uh, 20 to 30 round clips or magazines, 20 to, 20 to 30 round magazines uh, in his gun, which wasn't even, uh, I'm told now it wasn't even AR. Uh, so, so he's reloading, reloading, reloading. And at that point in time, nobody could figure out, hey, you know, he's getting ready to reload. He's out, of, he's out of rounds. Because I guarantee you, he's not counting his rounds. So, so let me ask you this. What about the bizarre lack of interviews with occupants of the nightclub when the shooting happened? Or even after, under very controlled circumstances, how about the bizarre video? Can you, well, first of all, how many videos have you seen of victims, of actual victims? They're bloody. They're all shot up. You can see the wounds. You know, they're all shot up, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Wow, that poor man, that poor woman, whatever they're deciding to be today. Oh, my goodness, it's terrible. How about the bizarre lack of interviews with the occupants of the nightclub when the shooting happened or after? Why? Why don't we have those? Supposedly there were hundreds of people there. How about the bizarre, and I'm telling you bizarre, law enforcement news conference in which more questions were raised then answered in the totally incongruent news conference. Go to theninjapastor.com, go over to a blog, go down three hours to die. I wrote a blog, a post there. It's been shared a whole bunch of times. Put your comments in. There's a bunch of comments there now. Read that. Listen, I, at the start of the news conference, I was thinking to myself, man, I'm going to have to redo my blog. Well, this explains everything. Because I said three hours to die. My goodness, why didn't they go in? They said, oh, well, he said that he had a, a car loaded full of explosives right out front, and he would detonate it if we came in. He said he had four bomb vests. He would detonate them. So we didn't go in. Really? Because they also said that they practiced. As you know, this is only, I think it's 1,500 feet, 1,500 feet or 1,500 yards from a big hospital, emergency room. Isn't that convenient that the pulse is right there that close? And they said they practiced They practiced all this just last year, the law enforcement people. They said, but this is what they said. They said they engaged Mateen in just minutes. They said, oh, no, this story going around that we waited and we waited and we went. No, just minutes after getting there, just shortly after two, we engaged him in gunfire. And that's when he barricaded himself with hostages, and that's why they waited hours to go in. This is what they told us. This is 1,200. I think it's 1,200 feet. 1,200 some odd feet. I, I don't know what it was. It's not that far, though. How, how ironic, how, how helpful that is. But it's bizarre. This, this, you watch that news conference, and you see the FBI guy is controlling everything. The FBI guy is controlling everything. Somebody tell me why in the world, every time somebody else opened their mouth, this guy is tense, man. You can see his jaw. Mina, uh, one of the sheriffs there, uh, I think he's Orlando police sheriff, uh, Orlando police chief, he was fine until he started getting cracked a bunch of questions. And once he got cracked all these questions, man, he started to sweat. And you say, that's Florida, Dr. Sean. That's Florida. That's the way it goes in Florida. It's hot. Look, I did a five-month book tour that involved Florida. Uh, I know exactly how hot Florida is. 
But they had dual air conditioners behind them, mobile air conditioning units pumping out seriously cool air right behind them. Nobody was sweating until all of a sudden the questions started coming in and saying, man, this doesn't add up. This is, how come we haven't heard any of this stuff before? How come this differs completely with what we were told? That's when he started sweating. And then the FBI guy steps in, and then the attorney general guy steps in and goes, well, that's all we're going to have. How about the bizarre revelation that the last body to be removed was removed just yesterday? Just yesterday. Come on, somebody's going to help me with this. Yesterday, they waited to remove a body until just yesterday. Maybe I heard wrong. I don't think I did. You've got to be kidding me. First of all, that's disgusting. The victim, air quotes victim, is, uh, is, is uh, most assuredly, most assuredly, most assuredly, begun the, 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 the foul process of degrading at that point in time. You know, with all that number of people being shot, there was rivers of blood in there. Had to be. Had to be. Why don't we see a bunch of people walking in and out of there with blood all over them, blood all over their shoes, blood all over their little booties? We don't see that. Why don't we see why, – look, there's a video that surfaced of, of injured people being carried out. There's one video that surfaced. By the way, many of them were being carried to Pulse and not away from it. Why were they being carried to it? Where were they being carried from? Somebody help me with that. I mean, they're joking and laughing and all this stuff. They just were part of a. They just were part of the biggest uh, deal. By the way, let me just let me just circle back to this. Uh, 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 Chief Mina found out that his police were there within minutes from audio tapes. He actually said that. Rewatch the video of this news conference. You can pull it up. You can pull it up. It's an archive. Rewatch the video. That's what he said. He said the chief of police said he found out his police officers were there within minutes from listening to the audio tapes. Listening to the audio tapes? You've got to be kidding me. Back to the video. This video surfaced uh, of the injured. This, this one guy, there's four guys, one guy behind, two guys, one on each leg, and they're carrying this guy. Very little blood on him, very little blood, uh, very, very little blood on him, and no blood that I could see on any of the other men. And uh, he's being not helped away from the shooting, but toward the shooting. And the video of these four men, apparently uh, he's injured. He's got a little blood on, tiny little blood on his. I want to make sure you got this picture. And a makeshift tourniquet that obviously is not a tourniquet. It's just on there. But it's not a tourniquet. It's in no way, shape, or form tight enough to stop any bleeding. Not that there was very much bleeding. And, and, and they're walking away. They're on some guy standing kind of off the way a little bit. He's got a little video. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, they're about 20 feet, 20 feet away. Or 20, you know, well, maybe a little bit less than that. And they kind of look around. They don't see the video person. So they put the guy down. He's fine. He's totally fine. Either this was a miraculous Benny Hinn uh, healing or this is a lie. Something's a lie in here. Something is not right. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm going to tell you right now. I want to know the truth. But I'm telling you it's bizarre. They look around. Watch the video. They look around, and then all of a sudden they put the guy down. He's fine. He's not limping. He's not doing anything. 
Somebody help me with this. Somebody tell me what's going on here in this situation. How about the bizarre? Look, this is bizarre. Ask yourself this. The police officer at the door that night engaged Mateen. This is what we're told. Then what happened? Then what happened? Oh, I know. You can't answer the question because there's no answer to the question. There's no answer. The reason there's no answer is because they don't have anything to say about it. Was he shot? Was he severely injured? Was he killed? Was he in the list of those that are killed? We know he was armed. We know he's a, a, a police officer that was working an extra duty job at the Pulse Club. Why hasn't he been interviewed? What exactly happened? This, this police officer engages, but he, he has no success, and he lets the man get in there and start shooting up and killing a bunch of people. Somebody help me. Somebody's got to help me with this. Maybe Dr. Turley, when I bring him on, um, you know, he can help me with it. Somebody's got to help me with this. These are questions that have to be answered. I'm not kidding you right now. What happened to this guy? He's a police officer. He's trained. He's the first to engage the guy. Where does he go? What does he do? What is he doing now? How bad is he hurt? Why didn't he go in? Oh, he was so hurt that he didn't go in. Our police officers are heroes. Chief Minas says, and the FBI guy says, and, and the, uh, the sheriff says, uh, I want you to know that our police officers, somebody asked about friendly fire, did a bunch of the people get shot and killed from friendly fire? Uh, and he, his answer was, I want you to know our officers acted in an exemplary way. They were heroes. They were heroic in what they did. They acted exactly according to their training. They did everything that they were supposed to do exactly how they were supposed to do it. Why didn't that police officer that was at the door go in? He was hurt so bad. I don't see a list. I see the list of injured. I see a list of the dead. I don't see the police officer on it. Why isn't he on the list? And why hasn't he been interviewed by the national media? Can I ask you a question? i got all kinds of questions today. Have you seen a bunch of truly bloody pictures and videos of the scene? Because I haven't. Look, if it was out there, would we not be seeing those images? Look, uh, we, were told, we were told initially by one of the forensic people that was interviewed by, I think it was CNN, I was watching, said, listen, with that number, he said, and this is no offense to the LGBT community, but with that number of homosexuals, transgenders, high-risk community for communicable diseases, and that amount of injured, shot, gunshot wounds, many killed, many more uh, seriously injured, critically injured, there's going to be so much blood there that it's going to be a hazmat situation. And, and these officers and these evidence detection people, they're going to have to wear full suits as though because it's, it's that dangerous because there will be blood so many places. You see them when they walk out, they're pristine. The little bit of video of them walking out of the place, it's pristine. They don't have anything on them. They're laughing, coking, and joking. Good to go. Hey, the fact is, truth be told, the FBI nor the United States Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, she stated none of those agencies of the United States government have any idea, now that we know Omar Mateen's wife knew about it, where is she? None of them know where they are. Lynch uh, she wasn't at the news conference, but those that were there at the news conference were clearly lying. But that would be the question. Where is she? 
Where is she? Somebody tell me where she is. Where is Omar Mateen's wife? Omar Sadiq Mateen. Where's his wife? We know where his father is because the father's been interviewed several times. He says, I don't know nothing about this. I don't know this, this radicalization. Stand there looking at people lying. Brother, there's this little thing we have in the United States of America. It's called the Internet. The Internet, the Infinite, whatever you want to call it, we can look you up and we can know your whole story. We know you're a Taliban sympathizer. Why is this man in the United States of America, folks? Why in the world do we allow people that sympathize with our enemies to come here? This whole discussion of, well, we really need to decision this in Congress and develop some legislation as to what to do when we have Americans, you know, uh, blood-born, natural-born Americans, born here in this country, and they decide to go fight for ISIS. And, you know, they get there and they get disillusioned. It's not what they thought it was. And you know what? They want to come back. So we need to have a conversation, a real serious conversation about how do we take them back in? What do we do? What do we do here? What do we do? You know, what kind of procedure should we have? Are you kidding me? Let them come in within rifle range. 1,200 to 1,500 yards should be fine. And pump a round lead injection and send them to Allah. Go ahead. That's what they want so bad? They want to go overseas and, and fight and kill Americans? And now they want to come back to the United States of America. What do we think they're going to do? Oh, I'm so disillusioned. I'm never going to do that again. You've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. You pump a round into their head, lead injection at a high rate of speed, intracranial injection. And then you scoop whatever's left into a cheap plastic bag and you feed them to the sharks. Or pigs. I don't care. I don't care. Look here, folks. This is ridiculous. You're telling me the United States Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, tells not, not, don't be mean to Muslims, but now all of a sudden she has no idea where the wife of the worst terrorist outside of 9-11, the worst terrorist we've ever had, killed most number of people, injured most number of people since 9-11. We don't know where she is. Now, we knew where she was because she was in custody. I'm sorry. Custody is when you keep them. Why were all these people at the, uh, at the news conference line? None of their testimony squares with what we know and what we've been told. Where is all this testimony uh, and smartphone? Listen, you know how folks do. They, they, smart, they photograph stuff. They video stuff. They tweet stuff from inside. Where's all that video? Where's all the smartphone video inside an LGBT nightclub during the attack? There's only very select things that have come out. No one's being interviewed. Uh, nobody, nobody being interviewed has showed the appropriate signs and emotions and verbal and physical cues as someone who has just been through an air quotes massacre. Nothing is congruent. Nothing. Nothing is congruent. Nothing makes sense, my friends. And you have got to accept that we are being lied to. Now, what exactly is the, is the end game? I don't know. But I'm telling you right now, I'll say this right now, I believe the president and his administration and anybody involved with this situation in Orlando, Florida, should be taken into custody, investigated, and prosecuted for treason, including Loretta Lynch, including his whole cabinet. 
That's the deal, folks. Come on. That's the deal. They're, they're treasonous. We are, we are, at this point, beyond, beyond any explanation. They are criminals. They are traitors to this country. Let me tell you something. The next politician that stands up and says, well, we've got to come up with a common sense legislation uh, to deal with folks that go and they serve ISIS and then they come back. Let me tell you something else that says ISIL instead of ISIS. Take them into custody. Prosecute them for treason. Go to my website and type in ISIL, and, you, and you'll go to the blog. Go to the blog and type in ISIL in the search. You will see. I'll explain it. I talk for hours uh, on different radio shows that are archived of this show about why they say ISIL instead of ISIS. It's not a preference. Listen, they have the computer. They know what stuff means. They know what that means. They know what it means. This is this they're doing this to eliminate Israel from any consideration, mention or existence. When Barack Hussein Obama says ISIL, you know what he's doing? You know what he's doing? He is, by the way, uh, Siri does not like when I say Barack Hussein Obama. Doesn't like it. Well, I don't like him either. When he says ISIL, he's committing treason. That's a fact. We've got to start dealing with facts here. We've got to start dealing with the facts that they're, they are beyond the wire. They're inside the wire. We've got, we've got traitors and treasonous people inside the wire, and we've got to start doing something about it. Before I bring my guest on, today's show is partly underwritten by GoldRushNinja.com. Listen, Venezuela, people are dumpster diving for food, killing each other. People are robbing each other. Currency's worth nothing. Uh, there's no food on the shelves. Apparently, nobody's prepared for this. Their currency, their paper currency, worth nothing. Go to goldrushninja.com, receive a free no-obligation report so you can learn what you absolutely must know today. It's powerful. Stephen Turley, folks, this guy is so informative. He is internationally recognized as a scholar, a speaker, and blogger at TurleyTalks.com. He, he wrote the book. I've read the book. It's powerful, Awakening Wonder, A Classical Guide to Truth, Goodness, and Beauty. He teaches theology, Greek, and rhetoric at Tall Oaks Classical School in Newcastle, Delaware. He is a professor of fine arts at Eastern University. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Stephen. I, I really, really do appreciate it. Hey, Sean. It's great to be back with you. Awesome. Awesome. It's, it's good to have you. So, okay. So you wrote the Orlando massacre, why guns and Christians are responsible. I, I wrote a blog where, um, you know, I, I said, you know, th look, this is, this is who they're telling you is, is the fault here. This is, this is what they're right. telling you. They're telling you we did this. Right. And it's Orlando. Can you believe it's Orlando, Florida? Look at all these things that have happened in Orlando, Florida. I'll tell you what, I don't think Orlando, Florida is safe to be. I don't think it's safe to be there. But between uh, singers, by the way, a Christian singer, most people don't know that about the singer that was shot, inexplicably just shot. There's been no further explanation as to what's going on with that. She gets shot and killed right in front of 100 fans. Gone, she's dead. Um, and, then, and then they have this, and then they have the alligator attack at Disney World. 
my goodness. Now we come to find out Seven Seas Lagoon full of alligators. Really? Tell me something I don't know. Uh, other places inside the park near the log flume, they're in one of the little, little tiny, uh, you know, water things, a little uh, like a, a, I don't know what they call them, but there's an alligator in there, five foot alligator in there. You know, you're in Florida. That's they have alligators in Florida. They're ubiquitous. It's like a microcosm of our crazy world, isn't it? It is. So I don't know how much you you've been listening to my rant, but um, what do you think? I mean, what are you thinking? Tell tell us, tell the audience what you're thinking. You're you're a a, a smart thinker kind of guy. I'm, I'm a hothead. I'm mad. I'm fired up. I'm <laughs> sick and tired of being lied to. So I don't know how much sense I'm making, but give us, give us some reason. Give us some, tell us what's up. What, what in the world drove you to write this article? Yeah, I, I think with uh, similar concerns that you've been voicing, um, why, why is it so normal to see uh, what's uh, up as down and what's down as up? You know, what's good is evil. What's evil is good. Why, why do such common sense, um, uh, perceptions uh, get turned on their head, and then everyone turns around and seems to say, "Oh yeah, but this is this is the way things really are." I I, I found uh, that the response to the Orlando massacre came with so many perplexities and, and peculiarities. Uh, again, I think you stated it well. I mean, just this incredulous sort of if the gunman was so explicitly tied to ISIS and Islamic terrorism, why on earth are we even remotely talking about gun control right now? Um, if, if this was so clearly an example of Islamic terror, uh, why are Christians, of all people, being implicated in this? Uh, why is it so difficult for our society to blame murders on the very terrorists that commit them? And uh, it's those kind of questions that sort of got me, uh, you know, diving into this. Um, and I explore in my article where I, I try to get to the bottom of why so many people in our society are so quick to blame guns and Christians for, for what was so obviously an Islamic terrorist act. Why, why do you think it? By the way, the verse uh, Dr. Turley just mentioned, folks, if you're, if you're searching in your Bible, if you're driving, please don't search in your Bible hands-free. Um, <laughs> Isaiah 5:20: those who call evil good and good evil are as good as dead, who turn darkness into mm. light and light into darkness, who turn bitter into sweet and sweet into bitter. They think mm. they are wise. Those who think they are wise are as good as dead. Those who think they possess understanding. Uh, I'm telling you, um, my goodness, you know, if there ever was a case for calling uh, evil good and good evil this is it i mean this is absolutely yeah, yeah. it so yeah. what do you make of you know this is orlando here i mean this is a you know pulse nightclub you know uh, they came out initially and said that it was a gay bar it was an lgbtq x um <laughs> bar yeah they x now is a real thing they're telling me i got corrected uh not that long ago um I was talking about LGBT and they said, no, you have to add Q. What is Q for? Well, that's queer. Right. Um, 
first of all, I thought I wasn't allowed to say that because folks, uh, folks are you always telling me what I'm supposed to say, and I never say. <laughs> Uh, the verse, again, somebody's asked for the verse. It is Isaiah had a, a, a real good friend. Uh, he was a black preacher from, uh, I think it was uh, Ellendale, uh, Pastor Freeman, and he pronounced Isaiah, Isaiah. He was a phenomenal yeah, preacher. Isaiah 5, 520 and 21 is, is what I just read. So we have some folks saying, hey, what is that? Uh, what is the verse? It's Isaiah 520 and 21. Uh, great passage. Read the whole passage in context. It's very powerful, uh, and it will really tell you a lot of what's going on in this country today. Um, but uh, what I will say to you uh, is this. It, we are being told oh, – we just had some more people join us. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Um, we are being told that, look, at first it was a, it was a LGBT club – then we're told, no, 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 it's, it's not actually an LGBT club. It is, uh, it's just a nightclub. It's, it's a dance club. They have good music. People just want to go there and have fun, uh, you know. But then we find out they have restrooms called Adonis and whatever restroom where a male and a female, I don't know if it was an actual female or just today felt female, now, I want you to understand that story I told about the video that was on Greta's band. Such, you don't believe it, you look it up. It, it, you know, he said this proudly that me and a friend, we were in the stall uh, before the shooting and and she was using the restroom. We were using it uh, and we were in the stall together. And that's when the shooting started. And uh, I said, maybe that's from the music. That's part of a song. And. Uh, she said, my friend who was using the restroom in the stall with me said no, because at the end it ends with whoop, whoop, whoop or some kind of thing. And he was real proud of it. <laughs> he wasn't demonstrating any indication of I've just been through a terrible event. So this Pulse nightclub, mm. obviously a gay bar. They're, they're trying to spin this. Uh, the shooter, uh, Omar Mateen, reportedly declared as a legend, not reported. He did. I mean, they can redact all they want. But he did it. Right. He did it. He did it several times as though he was trying to get his look. I want you people to know out there in America exactly why I'm doing this. But but then we find out, oh, well, he's been there many times before. You know what criminals do? I don't know if you folks know this. I don't know if you've ever been a police officer or watched any crime shows or anything like that. You know what criminals do? They case the joint. If they're going to mm-hmm. shoot a place up or rob a bank, they go there several times and they measure things out. Oh, uh, well, uh, he was apparently very conflicted and he had some religious confliction, uh, conflicts, uh, emotional conflicts due to his religion. Uh, he may have been struggling with being gay and uh, <laughs> couldn't come out. Why is this? Look, help me. I, I'm spiraling here. I need to know. Um, you got to help me. You're the you're the smart guy. You got to help me. You're the one that wrote this great <laughs> article. I'm putting it all in your hands. I'm sorry to say. Uh, oh, I'll do what I can of the of the little sliver of the pie I have here. Um, I hear no you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. The the whole psychoanalyzing is part of is part of it. I what I identified is. Um, What's really behind uh, this uh, inability for our society to blame murders 
on the terrorists that commit them and look for other explanations. Just like, again, like you're, you're so wonderfully pointing out. Um, I, I look at something called a, what scholars call risk society. And what a risk society uh, involves is it, it refers to the unique ways in which we modern people deal with hazards and threats and insecurities, usually as they relate to the future. And there's, there's two things the listeners need to get here, um, why moderns are unique in how we handle threats and hazards. Uh, the first thing is that we're really, we're just more reliant on scientific and technological processes than any other previous society. So if you think it through, we're doing it right now. We're relying on some kind of science and technology for our broadcast here, the telecommunications, the internet. We did it when we woke up to our, you know, our digital alarm, when we turn on our lights, make our coffee, microwave our breakfast, you name it. Um, but secondly, uh, this technological scientific age we're living in, it does come at a cost, and it tends to reject traditional moral conceptions of life. It tends to, it tends to reject the vision of Isaiah of what is, what is good and what is right and what is light and what is darkness and the like. Uh, and that's because technology is organized and governed by modern scientific processes, which are considered value neutral and, and therefore devoid of, of moral frames of reference. So now, I point hang on out, one second. You, you used a term yeah. called values neutral. Can you explain that for our audience? Yeah. It's a, um, so generally speaking, again, if you go back to the Isaiah 5 passage, uh, we believe in good and evil, and then they're opposites, right and wrong. And we believe that because uh, it was generally assumed that we lived in a world filled with divine meaning and purpose. And so the values that we have in our society are supposed to conform into a harmonious relationship with the divine meaning and purpose all around us. That's what we would call objective values, natural law, you name it. Um, we're living in a time where we don't believe that anymore, and, and largely because of these scientific and technological processes in which we're living. Science doesn't see the world as governed by God or the gods, for that matter, divine meaning or purpose. It sees the world as basically blind biological, chemical, and physical uh, cause and effect processes that have no inherent meaning to them apart from that which we personally choose to impose upon them. So science, in that sense, is value neutral. It has no uh, inherent value to it, in other, in other words, some kind of meaning or purpose or moral order, and it doesn't discern any value. It doesn't discern anything out there as having meaning, purpose, or, or moral order. And we do tend to think that way. So, for example... You go into any school today, generally like a public school, and we think today in the public schools in a way radically different, say, from the time of the New England Primer, which was the first you know, public school book, right? I think it was back in 1777, you know, that taught the students the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer and Proverbs and the like. Uh, now, today, you walk into a school and you can believe whatever you want when it comes to values such as 
God and, and meaning and morality. You can believe God as Jesus Christ. You can, you can believe God as a pickle. You can believe whatever you want. But, man, you walk into a science class or a math class, you're going to be confronted with absolute unquestionable reality. And so, much, so much so that if you get it wrong, you could be, as it were, excommunicated, right? <laughs> you could right, be held right. back. That's a form of excommunication. You'll never be held back for what you believe about God. You'll never be held back for what you believe about meaning or the Ten Commandments. And we're finding teachers can't even teach virtue and value anymore. So a teacher can't mm-hmm. look at a student and say, look, stealing is wrong because God says so. It violates God's command. They can't say that anymore. So they have to mm-hmm. basically say something like, you know, well, you wouldn't want that done to you or some kind of um, utilitarian consequentialist ethic. Um, and that's all, all of the classical Christian values that used to be at the heart of what an educated man was. That's why we called it virtue, right? Beer meaning Latin for, for a true man. Uh, mm-hmm. All of those have just disappeared over the last uh, several decades. And they've been replaced now with these morally neutral, as I put it, like a value-neutral way of looking at life. And that's a risk society. Moderns, we moderns tend to think about hazards and threats and insecurities in a radically unique way from any other previous civilization. Scientific and technological processes have opened up to us a whole new future of unprecedented possibilities and potentialities, which is a bit scary because, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a brave new world, as it were. Uh, but I don't know how brave we are because we don't have the aid of traditional morality to guide us into this new world. So we moderns are very unique in how we deal with our insecurities and our potential threats. Wow. That was quite an answer. That's why I like that's why I like having you on the show because you know what you give the real answers and I tell you today people today they're they're they want real answers we're we're tired of yeah. getting uh, fed crap and, and being told it's tootsie rolls right. we're we're just sick and tired of it and the fact of the right. matter is um, look y'all it's it, at some point or another we absolutely have to. Um, we have to find a way to dig through the truth, just like the Senate Bill 190. Look, you, you know, we, we heard the politician, uh, and she's a raging, raging liberal, and she's an angry, angry, angry person. She hates Christians. She hates straight mm-hmm. people. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me. The people who wrap themselves in Scripture have no problem lying or distorting facts to further their right. agenda of bigotry and intelligence. It always reminds me of what Mahatma Gandhi said. I like your Christ, but I dislike your Christians. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research that because I've heard that attributed to him before, but I want to make sure that's actually what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because so, I'd love to call her out on it on international radio. Um, right. So tell me, tell me about this article. So you write this article. Uh, he's pro- pro- avowed proponent of ISIS. His father is an avowed advocate of the Taliban. Um, it's kind of obvious, right, at this point. So what's the deal? What's our president do? Oh, there you go. Well, uh, here, yeah, you, I mean, I think you're hitting it on the head. If we have such a, a massacre on our hands, um, then the question comes down to if, if we are post-moral, 
if we're post-traditional, if we're these, these brave new world modernists, uh, then whom do we blame when massacres like Orlando occur? Um, Pre-modern pre, uh, societies had no problem. When something bad happened, uh, they ran to the gods, as it were. Uh, think about Jonah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's this uh, terrible storm that comes upon the sailors. And what's their first reaction? Is their first reaction to analyze the biological, chemical, and physical processes? Right? Now their first reaction is, hey, somebody has angered his God. This is, something's wrong here. Because they believe they lived in a world of divine meaning and purpose. But if we don't believe that anymore, if we're in a, in a post-traditional, post-moral age that's indicative of a risk society, then whom do we blame when mm -hmm. massacres like Orlando occur. And, and I argue in my uh, article that we really only have two options, and that's where I think uh, the presidents and his uh, minions go to. The, the first option is we can blame material, economic, environmental factors, or we can blame previous moral traditions that were once dominant in society, but, uh, but now they're reinterpreted as inherently uh, oppressive. And uh, I think you and I talked about emancipatory politics at one point, uh, mm -hmm. but that, that's, that's where those come in, particularly this idea, and I think we saw uh, what we heard from this legislator in uh, Delaware. Uh, that's a proponent of emancipatory politics. Christianity mm -hmm. is oppressive. Uh, it is demeaning. Um, and, and the reason why she can say that is because a new kind of society has emerged that's post-moral, post-Christian, and will always look back at the previous dominant society as, uh, as oppressive and uh, as something that needs to be overcome. And so um, I look at how if we don't have God or the gods to go to, all right, well, what are the environmental factors that we can, we can try to control? Uh, we tend to look at material environmental factors such as demographic, economic, political, social cause and effects to explain what happens. And so this is why we, I, I point out in the article, we actually have safe spaces in our college campuses. Um, we have safe spaces because risk societies control behavior by controlling environments. And that's, a, that's really a kind of a takeaway for people to, to understand risk societies deal with hazards and threats by controlling environments. That's very important. And they end up thinking they control behavior by controlling environments. That might have something to do with what you were talking about earlier. So in, in the midst of the Orlando murders, then what's the most in, obvious environmental factor in any mass shooting, regardless of the motive, motive of the, uh, the assailant? And I argue it's, it's the weapon, it's the firearm, and the assumptions governing a risk society uh, where we can no longer go to our moral traditional structure for guiding us in how we're to respond to these situations. We go inevitably to some kind of environmental factor, and in this case, it's the gun. The gun becomes the object of control. So people are asking me, they're sending me a message um, what are the quotes of Obama in response to the incident? This massacre is there for – I'm telling you, folks, this is true. Go look up his article. 
uh, Dr. Stephen Turley. He has an article. It lays it all out. It's in print. You go look, cross-reference it across the Internet. You will see. Watch the video. It's on video. This massacre, this is your President Barack Hussein Obama. Directly after this terrible massacre, now we know not only did he have a gun, uh, he had a permit for carry, a level, it was a level G uh, permit to carry, professional permit to carry um, that he'd had renewed and had his background check renewed, even though the, the FBI is investigating this guy on multiple occasions and he's on the terror watch list. Meanwhile, he's still allowed to carry this gun. So bear that truth in mind. This massacre is therefore a further reminder of how easy it is for someone to get their hands on a weapon that lets them shoot people in a school. Let me address that. Let's them shoot people. Let me tell you what. You know what lets him shoot people? His heart, black heart, his, his dark, evil soul. That's what lets right. him shoot the people. The gun has nothing to do with it. Let's them shoot people in a school or in a house of worship or in a movie theater, or in a nightclub. And we have to decide if that's the kind of country that we want to be. You go on and quote Daily News, thanks NRA, because of your continued (laughs) opposition to an assault rifle ban, terrorists like this lunatic can legally buy a killing machine and perpetuate the worst mass shooting in the United States history. You want to thank somebody, thank the FBI. Thank, Thank all of the people who didn't do anything. They did nothing. They knew what this guy was about, and they did nothing. But, hey, you, you go on in this article to say guns weren't the only object of the demagoguery. Chase right, Strangio right. of the uh, ACLU, he's a staff attorney, this is what he said. You know what is gross? I can't stand this guy. You know what is gross? <laughs> Your thoughts and prayers and Islamophobia after you created this anti-queer climate. He went on. The Christian right has introduced 200 anti-LGBT bills in the last six months, and people are blaming Islam for this? No. Now, he's ACLU uh, raving. It's not American Citizens, uh, American Civil Liberty Union. It's gay and whatever else they want to push upon us union. It's not civil liberties. Mm-hmm. Civil liberties, if that's true, that applies to all of us. But in this case, no, right. it's only the LGBT. And he says, Christian Wright has introduced 200 anti-LGBT bills in the last six months. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. If the Christian Wright actually introduced 200 anti-LGBT bills, you wouldn't be able to watch the news because it would be all over it. You wouldn't be able to <laughs> – listen, they would have preempted the NBA finals. Congratulations, Cleveland. They would have preempted those NBA finals and said, listen, we can't have this big basketball game right now. Why? Because there's 200 anti-LGBT bills over the last six months that have, and this guy's defending Islam, and people are blaming Islam for this? No. Come on. Come on. What causes, what causes the people, again, pressure's on you, uh, what causes yeah. people, Doc, to, to sit there and listen to this and not, okay, I'll, I'll give one more because you did it. It's not my fault, by the way. You did it. I'm just quoting you, quoting them. Listen, Strangio wasn't alone. In the aftermath of the attack, the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Yeah, because we need that. We need that. <laughs> yeah, Nobody right. thinks. Yeah, we need, we need more of that. 3% of the population, LBG, that's what we're told. And, and they have, no group has been, if I were a black person in this country right now, I would be livid. I would be livid. <laughs> 
uh, I am a veteran and I'm livid. But if I'm a veteran, especially if I'm a combat veteran, I would be so fired up. I would be so mad. This is what she says. Uh, National Center for Lesbian Rights. Uh, they, they, I don't know if it was a she or he said this. In the past two years, cowardly and irresponsible politicians have proposed more than 200 anti-LGBT laws, including those passed this year in North Carolina and Mississippi. Mississippi. It's pronounced correctly as Mississippi. Um, here's, let, me, let me interrupt this. Here's the problem. This is after – now, it, which is it? Is it guns are the problem, or is it anti-LGBT bias? But now that's toxic, so now we just want to go shoot up LGBT, um, including those passed this year in North Carolina and Mississippi. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, lady. Uh, I, I've got a news flash for you. It didn't have – look, anti-LGBT, I don't want a man going into a bathroom – with my daughter, my wife, my, my dear friends, any of these people. I don't want that. And you know what else? I don't want a woman or someone dressing like a woman coming to the bathroom with me. I'm not sharing the bathroom. So it doesn't have anything with anti. Why are these people fighting? Why, am, why are we standing for this? L, Anti-LGBT laws saying, you know, that they, they want anybody to be able to go to whatever bathroom they want. It's absolute lunacy, but the problem with the lunacy is we are so blown back by it that we're not doing anything. Right. We're not doing anything. Right. Um, right. And she goes on to say, make no mistake, these laws and the pandering of so many elected officials to those who promote the anti-LGBT bias foster a toxic climate. Oh, so okay. So for her or him, whatever, uh, the National Center of Lesbian Rights, it's not about guns. It's about anti-LGBT bias. Because clearly that's right. what it's about. But not once in that quote, brother, not once in that quote does she say anything, he, she, I don't know which, whichever, might be one of the exes, um, doesn't say a single word about Islam. No mention of Islam. Nope. No mention of, no, hey, of this guy gets on the phone and he tells the police on a recorded line, he says, you know what, I'm doing this for Islam. I'm on jihad. I'm on a jihad, and I pledge my pledge my life to ISIS, and I pledge my life to Abu Bakr uh, al Baghdadi, and you know we're good to go. We're on the same team. I'm gonna kill some folks up in here. No, no, no. He's not mentioned at any point. That's not a problem uh, for this for this lesbian rights center. Uh, first of all, why do we have a national center for lesbian rights? <laughs> I, you know, how do people get these jobs? I'll tell you, liberals know how to make money. They know they how to do. make. They money. Really do. That's that's the emancipatory politics there. Yeah. There you go. All it's, right. It's very it's very lucrative. <laughs> so why, Dr. Turley, you wrote the article. Why would anybody blame guns and conservative Christians? Why would they blame us? And why would it have any plausibility? Yeah, they both. Well, they, uh, you you caught it. I mean, they're both considered an environmental risk. So you listen to uh, Obama's comments or. Um, the, uh, the simply daily news headline, um, uh, guns, and then you go into uh, the ACLU staff attorney and to the uh, National Center for Lesbian Rights. Guns and Christians are environmental risks. Um, Christians in particular are, are we're, we're told, uh, create a, quote, anti-queer climate. It's a very important term that you hear, right? Uh, the the Center for Lesbian Rights said that we foster, quote, a toxic climate, close quote. Yes. So 
right? This is this is how risk society populations deal with risks and hazards. They go to environmental cause and effects. And um, and when they look at Christians, they see Christians as creating social conditions that invite violence. And as risk society logic implies, and as this bill and Delaware, I think, uh, uh, proves uh, any um, belief system that creates social conditions that invite violence, they ought to be regulated. They must be regulated by definition of a risk society. So it's not just guns that are about to be controlled. It's Christians and Christian whoa, rhetoric. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. Wait a second. I seem to recall at the beginning of this show, um, I don't remember much of my rant, but I do remember this. Uh, at the beginning of the show, I brought up SB 190, Senate Bill 190, in which you got it, yeah. the, the language of the Constitution of the state of Delaware is, is going to be changed. Uh, there, there, there is no – look, there is no uh, – nobody's being harmed by somebody, anybody, male or female, not being able to go into a restroom or a changing room or a locker room of the opposite sex – you know, whatever they're deciding to be, whether that matches the picture on the door or not. Nobody's being harmed by that except for the people, and this is the majority of people, that say, I don't want that. I don't want it. This is, But the left says this is a risk. This is part of the risk society. Um, we don't want to be mean to people, so what are we going to do? We oh, are – yeah, you can, you can keep going. Yeah, so you get Senator Peterson. I'm looking at the Delaware Online article, and notice what she says. She's justifying this passage because, quote, violence against women has reached epidemic proportions, and hatred and intolerance of gays and transgenders is still very much with us, as Sunday's events have shown, close quote. This is the language of a risk society. You see? Hang on. Got hang, on hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Press pause yeah. a second. Okay, now one of our great listeners has set in a question. Why aren't Muslims at an environmental risk? They kill people, and you know what? They videotape it. They put music to it. They have transitions. They high production value. They kill people. Oh, let me take it one step further. Let me take it one step further, just for fun. They kill <laughs> gays. They kill LGBTQX people. Like it's gone out of style. They throw them off of roofs. They bury them. They stone them. They cut their heads off. Uh, they do all these things. They prefer to throw them off of roofs. And they kill people. They videotape it. They send it around the world on the Internet. Why aren't they part of the risk society? What? I, I don't understand, Doc. I don't understand what's happening here. They're, they're an environmental risk. They're part of the risk yeah. society. Why aren't we locking them down? And let me tell you something. Yeah. There will be more sure. violence against women with men in the ladies' room while the ladies have their pants down. That sounds crude. I'm sorry to tell you, but folks, you need to understand. So you're in there using the restroom. I know it seems like we're switching gears, but Doc has cl clicked on something here, this risk society as a means to change the way we live. There's going to be right. more violence against women. Yeah, and you know what else, too? I said this last week. I think it was last week. Uh, look, I'm no big star. We have just under 700,000 listeners around the world. So I'm no big thing. You know what I mean? No, I, most places I go, people don't even know who I am. Um, they just know I'm ugly. So they, so I go into these places, and I'm going to use the restroom. Let's say out of that 700,000 listeners, some of those people don't like me so much because I don't know how I get 26,000 emails uh, flowing in after last week's show, a lot of it hate mail. But I'll tell you this, 
This is what I talked about that I'm afraid of. I'm afraid Sean Greener, the ninja pastor, goes into a restroom. Somebody's watching me because they do it all the time. They follow uh, conservatives around all the time. They videotape them. They want to catch them doing something they're not supposed to do so they can blackmail them, so they can shame them, so they can take them off. Anybody with a powerful voice, boom, let's shoot them down. Let's follow them till we find something. Everybody does something wrong. Let's hit them because we're so, we're so moral high ground. Why not? Well, here's the thing. I go to the restroom, Doc. I go to the restroom because that's what I do. I go in there. I'm at the little urinal thing on the wall, and, uh, you know, my hands are full. And uh, I'm doing my thing, thinking about getting back after I wash my hands thoroughly with soap and, and dry them in the little dryers that I stick my hands in, in the little blade dryers. I love those things. And, uh, and I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about all the stuff I got to do. And, man, I hope somebody hadn't stole my remaining shrimp on my plate or whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes walking in, a woman comes walking in, and she goes, are you the ninja pastor? And I say, hey, yeah. And then she starts screaming, oh, my God, he's raping me. He's raping me. Help me. Help me. Help me. She starts tearing at her clothes and tearing at her clothes and doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, she's got some little she's put some little cuts on her. She's put away a little bit of her blood. She squishes the blood on me, puts the little vial or whatever she's carried the blood on and says, he did this. He did this. Help me. Help me. Help me. I've got two choices. I run out and say, there's a crazy person in there. There's somebody crazy in there, which, of course, makes me what? Look more guilty. Or I stand there and try to talk sense into this crazy person, crazy like a fox. People come running in, and what do they do? Oh, my gosh. We're in the men's room. There's a woman in the men's room, but she's – look at her. She's obviously been hurt. What right. now? Exactly. What do we do? Oh, yeah. well, she's pointing yeah. at this guy who, by the way, carries a gun everywhere he goes. So now all of a sudden we've got people wanting to lock me down. There was a day when you think you could explain it. You could say, hey, no, I was just in here using the bathroom. And this crazy person came in acting a fool, talking about I was raping her and ripped at her clothes and threw blood on me. Somebody give me some hand sanitizer or some kind of business. There was a yeah. day where you could say that, and they would go, first of all, lady, what are you doing in here? You're, You're, right, right. Here. You're in the right. wrong restroom. That's, that's problem number one. Not anymore. They don't do that. So there was a time where you could say, hey, I'll just be calm. You know, I just say, hey, look, y'all, there's an explanation for this. <laughs> they could right. do that. We could do that back then. And you know what would happen? People, cooler heads would prevail. But now we've got a, a rich society where we start looking at this poor person is in the men's bathroom. First of all, she can't decide which bathroom to go in. What She can't decide what sex she is. So she's in there, not for nothing, but that's pretty much a problem for me. Um no, they don't do that anymore. So what do I do? I have a choice. I'm like, I'm not standing around for you people to disarm me. And I'm not going to stand around and, and, and be screamed at like this. So then I'm in this conundrum. So this is the risk society. But we're told Dr. Turley, Stephen Turley, uh, wrote this great article, a phenomenal article. We're told, hey, you know what? Even though we're only 3%, we really need you to you, – you must help us avoid this risk. So instead, we're going to shift the risk – from the 3% to the 97%, people mm-hmm, that say, mm-hmm. I want to go to the bathroom I want to go to. I, you know, if I want to go to a club and it's bumping and all this stuff, uh, but somebody starts popping off rounds, you know what? I'm going to reach into one of my guns that I have on me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a place of, of uh, cover and concealment. I'm going to find out who this is shooting, and I'm going to do my dead-level best to take them out. Right. 
Right. Well, we can't do right. that. Which Why? Because is... it's a gun-free zone, man. It's gun-free because right. guns hurt people. Right. That's right. They're, they're an environmental risk. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you, I mean you've got it. It is it is crazy. Uh, there is some explanation behind it. I don't know if it if it makes it any less crazy, but um, so the the basic question is why is it that we can blame Christians, um, but uh, we're not allowed to blame Islam? If that you know for if if Christianity is uh, and Christians are guilty of. Um, this uh, homophobic bigotry and so well, how much more? And as you just listed out, these Islamic nations and the like. Um, and the the problem there is that uh, in a in a post moral society, in a risk society, um, we've we've chucked our cultural, our moral traditions for now something we call multiculturalism, and multicultural sensibilities. Uh, basically see our old way of life, our old civilization, as colonialist, repressive, imperialist. So what we do today is we think we reappropriate religions. We see religions today as completely equally valid, privately held beliefs. I, I point out in the article, Hillary Clinton, when she was pushed about Islamic uh, terrorism, she said in an interview on ABC's This Week, quote, there are radicals, people who believe all kinds of things in every religion in the world, close quote. And therefore, oh. but, right, therefore she, she, she refused to say Islamic terror, terrorism, right, as if we have all these, uh, this problem with uh, Methodist terrorism or something akin to that. Yeah, so, yeah, so, those, those Baptists are really shooting up a lot of places. Yeah, the Burke Baptists, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so religions are, are all equally uh, valid, and so we no longer have any basis for declaring one religion to, to be any more violent than any other. I mean, it really, if you want to push it all the way, it's, if, if the way it works is if religion is personal and private, and if humans are basically good, then, right, there's no basis to judge any religion as inherently bad. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where that goes. But now um, it goes another step, as you see it in politics. If that, that multicultural map emerges, well, now it's got to get politicized. And that's where you get into the emancipatory politics. And emancipatory politics utilizes the power of the state to liberate people from traditional social structures and arrangements that are now deemed unjust. And so um, Islam and any other religion on the planet, they'll always get this kind of emancipatory protection in direct response to our nation's past uh, uh, oppressions and, and uh, 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 colonialism and imperialism and the like. So there you can see, you can anticipate why it is that Christians get Blamed. Wait a minute, I thought Christianity was one of the religions. Ah, no, it's not. And for these Western liberals, Christianity is radically unique. It's unique in the sense that uh, it is the thousand-year civilization from which our risk society, our post-moral society, has emancipated itself from. So Christianity is fair game because in our post-moral society, it alone, no one else, 
it alone and its categories and its way of thinking about life, it represents the traditional moral system that arbitrarily oppressed gays and blacks and women and, yeah, even, even Muslims. So uh, the interesting thing is that this really is the only way a post-moral society can make sense of a tragedy like this. It has mm-hmm. to turn to political solutions, which, as you pointed out, ironically will never do anything because this isn't ultimately a political problem. It's a spiritual problem. And spiritual, problem require, spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Mm. 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 So what next, man? What next? What do we do now? I mean, you know, uh, look, anybody that knows me, and I, you've known me long enough to know that I'm as pro-Second Amendment as I think anybody you'll, you'll ever, ever run across. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've explained uh, many, many times on, on air, on my show, I've explained it um, ad infinitum, quite frankly. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say this. I, I feel uh, very strongly about this, and I feel that it's very important for people to understand. Look, I'm not a gun nut. I know that's, you know, all, all nuts will come out and go, well, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy at all. <laughs> But you know what? I've been through uh, extensive training. I've been through, you know, thousands of hours of training uh, at the very highest levels. Um, I have uh, pursued and received uh, thousands of hours of civilian training at, at, at the very highest levels. And I have provided training for thousands of hours at the highest levels. And I've gone through uh, deep background checks. And I've gone through fingerprinting and, uh, you know, multiple people looking into my history and saying, okay, in order for you to be a, um, in order for you to be, you know, allowed to carry a gun around, uh, you're going to have to submit to all this stuff. And then, you know, I submitted to, uh, my name and my intent being put in the newspaper. Um, Hey, this guy wants to carry a gun. And you, here's your chance to, if there's a problem, speak up now or forever hold your peace. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I don't know what more I can do, but I've proven that I'm a guy who's not a gun nut. I may be a little nutty sometimes, but I'm I like a nutty buddy, like a nutty buddy ice cream. Yeah. Those things are great, but they're like one-third the size, and now they taste like chemicals. But that's beside the point. Ultimately, we, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've had many psychiatric uh, evaluations done for different levels of of, um, military and defense um, clearances and and all of this. I've had all that. I'm the safest place, safest person to be in a place. If you're in a place and it all goes bad, guess what? I'm the guy you want there. And you want more like me there, because if that happens, this guy didn't go shoot up an NRA convention. He didn't go shoot up a right, gun shop. Right. You, don't, right. you don't hear about a bunch of shootings at gun shops. If guns were so bad and so dangerous in and of themselves, why don't we hear about the shootings that just pop up? Well, you're just being uh, silly and pedantic now. You're, you're poking fun at the suffering of others, especially the LGBT. No community has faced the uh, the the the. the uh, uh, you know, abuse uh, as the LGBT community. Well, I'll, I'll say two words, Native American. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, LGBT, yeah. guess what? You don't compare to them. Uh, you know, if we're talking 40, 50 years ago uh, and, and more, black American. I don't say African-American, black American. Man, right. if I were them, I'd be so mad. If I was Native Americans, I'd be so mad. LGBT, 3% of the community uh, of people that we're told, that's the number they give us, are saying, hey, we, we're special. You need to make a special. Right. And you know what? Guns hurt us. Guns hurt us. <laughs> you know? Uh, look, this whole comparison, by the way, I, let me just go back to this for just a second because it really ticks me off. Um, okay, can I say that there's an anti-straight climate right now? Because, you know, we're getting blamed. Uh, Christians are being blamed for creating an anti-queer climate. Well, how about who do I blame? Who do I go to to blame for the anti-Christian climate? Because I think there's an anti-Christian climate. I don't, in fact, I would say Barack Hussein Obama, nobody has ever been more anti-Christian than this guy, anti-biblical than this guy, anti-Israel than this guy. There's nobody in the world. But you know what? Here's the sad thing. His, his administration goes right along with him. I'll take it one step further. The, the military commanders of, our, of, of each branch of our military, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, should get together and remove the president from office. He should be immediately charged with treason. He, he and, and uh, the attorney general and, and everybody, everybody in his thing has anything to do with this mess. They should be charged with treason. They have committed treasonous. They are traitors to this country. That's not hyperbole, folks. They have violated law after law after law. It's an anti uh, conservative. It's an anti-Christian. I'll tell you one more. People don't like to hear it. It's anti-white. It's an anti-white environment. It's an anti-Bible environment. Um, it's an anti-straight environment. You know, we don't describe, well, you know, I go out to a, a club or a restaurant. They don't describe it as a, as a predominantly straight club. Why the first thing we hear about Pulse is that it's an LGBT club. First thing on the national news, it's an LGBT club. And, and, and you know, I, let me just say this. I, I'm just going to say this, and, and it's not going to make me very popular, not that I already was popular at all. But let me, let me just say this. You know, in watching television, there's certain shows that I, I like to watch. And, you know, they, of course, over the past little bit, they, after this happened, you know, they would come out with their little ribbons and their flags and everybody's changing their flag to we are Orlando and, you know, the, the rainbow flag. And look, as Christians, we're supposed to love everybody. And these are our brothers and sisters. You know, that, that may be well and good, but let me tell you something. They're not heroes like veterans, uh, war veterans and combat veterans who come back in a box, who come back pieces of them gone draped in an American flag and the American flag doesn't get lowered to half staff every single time, single time an American soldier gets killed in combat, killed in action, serving our country. That doesn't happen for them, but all across America now uh, in, in, in the city of, I think it's Rehoboth beach, Delaware, they, they showed uh, in, a, in a publication. It's not just the, it's not just the uh, American flag that's half mass. It's, of course, you have to lower all of them. No flag can be higher than the American flag. But all of them across the board, the Rehoboth flag, the Delaware flag, and the, and the uh, American flag, lower to half mass. So, hey, man, we're all in. We're all in. 
And there's all kinds of vigils and all kinds of stuff all across the country. And these are heroes. I haven't heard. I'm just going to say it, folks. I'm just going to say it. Maybe the last 11 minutes of my show ever for saying this. I'm just going to say it. We heard Chief Mina and the FBI guy, the bald-headed guy with the goatee. Um, I thought they had uh, grooming standards there at the FBI, but maybe not. Apparently now you can have a goatee. Um, we heard the other police officer, the sheriff, heard all these people, the attorney, you know, the state attorney general, all these people talking about how heroic the police officers were. But you know what really torqued me? They talked about how heroic the people inside were. They talked about, you know, these people like they're incredible heroes and all this stuff. But you know what? I haven't heard one thing about somebody who said, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you're not. You're not going to shoot up my people. Mm-mm, we've had too much of that going on. Let me go ahead and get this bar stool and bust you across your head when you're not looking. Let me throw a couple bottles at you. Let me circle around behind you and bust you over the head with a bottle or bust you over the head with a chair or something. Let me get some of my buddies over here. Um, I'm going to say this, too. This is, this, is, this is certainly not politically correct. I should have rated this PG-13. But listen, gay people by and large, are in incredible physical condition. They're into exercise. They want to look good. They want to, you know, all the stuff. They have the money. They have the time. They, they work out, most of them. This is, you know, oh, you're stereotyping. You're profiling. Well, if it's, if it's true, it's not stereotyping or profiling. It's demonstrating, look, they stay in shape. So could not three or four of these people find some way, the three or four most in shape people, instead of running, pop around behind them, come up on flank them, do something, do something, do Mm. something. But they didn't do it. And look, I'm not going to call them heroes. I'm not calling uh, the people there heroes. Are they victims? Absolutely. Because nobody deserves to get shot up. I'm not saying anybody. I'm not. Listen, the folks don't don't take what I'm saying. as an intimation that they deserve what they got. We can talk about scripture sometime. We can sit down over a cup of coffee with lots of cream. Um, we can, we can talk about that all we want. Let me tell you something. Scripture is very clear, but I'm telling you for purposes of this explanation as to whether they're a victim and a hero or a victim. They're victims. Because I don't hear about anybody tackling the guy. I don't hear anybody doing any of these things. That's, that's a hero. You show me somebody that dives in front of bullets, uh, who, who tries to tackle the guy, gets shot, somebody gets hurt, you know, trying, to, trying to stop the shooting. You know, then, then, then we got a hero on our hands. But you're just getting shot. You're not a hero. You're a victim, but you're not a hero. I'm not. I'm not demeaning what you are, but you're not a hero. You know uh, the Christian bakers. They did a, uh, a, a the Christian bakers, and there's a florist uh, out in Washington. The, the, those Christian people had. Um, I'm not going to say the name of the fundraising site, but there was a fundraising site, and they were they were raising money. Uh, people were giving a lot of money because they needed legal defense and they didn't have this money. They're small business people. And uh, because they didn't, they, they look, you know, no offense to you. God bless you. We wish you all the happiness, but we cannot provide the flowers for your wedding. It's a gay wedding. It goes against our Christian faith. You know, it's gay, gay marriage. We, you know, we believe the Bible and God bless you. We're going to help you with anything else. We'll, we'll make you cupcakes. We'll do all this, but we can't make you a wedding cake. And these people have lost everything. There's this funding site. Funding site's raising lots of money. Guess what happens? The funding site, the, the people who run the funding site, shut it down. They said, nope, we're not going to allow that. Meanwhile, 
there, I think it's, I don't even know how much it was. It was, it was uh, getting close to seven figures last week in the same funding site for the victims of the Pulse shooting. Why? I, somebody tell me why. Somebody tell me why we choose these people to, to, to hold up, to put our flag to half mass. San Bernardino, they didn't get that. They didn't get that. They, didn't get, they, they got none of this. There's regular people at a Christian Christmas party. They got none of it. They didn't get a GoFundMe site. Ah, oh, dang it! I said it. Ah, oh, I hate that because I don't want to give them any any uh, any props at all. You know, Doc. You know how it is. Um, <laughs> so we're a post moral society. What's what's evil is good, and what's good is evil. Somebody help me here. You know, the post moral society. You you say in your article. I love this statement. Thus. Christianity is fair game because in our post-moral society, it alone represents the traditional moral system that arbitrarily oppressed gays, blacks, women, and yes, Muslims. So somehow or another, we stand up and we say, um, one of my great friends, Steve from Ohio, has a great comment. Uh, the same boobs that bungled Mateen's background check are the same ones vetting refugees. That's true. But guess what? <laughs> what if, That's great. Listen, what if we see this happening? Because in San Bernardino, what do we hear over and over? See something, say something. The neighbor said, yeah, I knew something was up. I saw his garage door up one time, and I saw what looked like bomb-making material. I saw a bunch of guns. I saw piles and piles of ammunition, and I'm thinking to myself, something's not good here. Well, guess what happens? They say, well, why didn't you say anything? The news people said, why didn't you say anything? They say, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be accused of you know, being a bigot or being a racist or whatever. Well, guess what? In this shooting, Omar Mateen, the, the gun shop where he was trying to buy the, the high, uh, high volume high, uh, uh, rounds of ammunition and the uh, bullet resistant vest, they called the FBI. They said, hey, we got a guy in here. His name is Omar Mateen. He wants to buy, you know, all this stuff. We want to let somebody know. We saw something, and now we're saying something. Can you do something? Oh, no, I'm just an observer. You know, like that, like that television commercial. I'm just an observer. Uh, you have a termite problem. I'm not doing anything, but you have a termite problem. So what do you say in the, in the, in the four minutes that we have left? No pressure. What do we do now? <laughs> Steve, what do we do now? Yeah. 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 I think, uh, again, um, a, a couple of things. One, uh, yeah. All these, uh, groups like, uh, LGBT, uh, members and so forth, they're always going to be given, um, uh, the special treatment because of emancipatory politics. Um, uh, as you point out, straights and the, the dominant uh, sort of Christian profile that's always going to be given the shaft because by definition, uh, emancipatory politics are trying to liberate people from a, a uh, more traditional social structure that's deemed unjust. Well, guess, guess who represents that traditional social structure? So that's that's the way it's always going to work itself out in politics and the, the way it's always going to work itself out in the media. I think the second thing is um, to understand that I, there is some good news out there. And, uh, and the good news, and we're seeing it actually all over the world. It's not just here. There is a massive backlash against uh, these uh, sensibilities that come out of risk societies. And that's logic because risk, we've talked about this. Uh, risk societies are very much um, uh, caught up in this thing called globalization. And globalization involves, uh, you know, the intersection of capitalism and technology and urbanization and telecommunications 
in such a way that nullify borders. Um, our economic processes are not transnational. They extend beyond any frontiers. So we tend to have politicians who are, who are uh, profiting from this and, and CEOs who are profiting from this. They tend to love the mass immigration, not just here, obviously, but in Europe and the whole Eurozone, is, as you see, may actually, as of tomorrow, start to uh, fall apart. The world is reacting very much against this. And so scholars are noting a mass resurgence of nationalism, uh, traditionalism, tribalization. And uh, these are sensibilities that just are not at all intimidated by the kind of rhetoric associated with risk societies. I don't think it is, um, it, it is not coincidence that two guys who are not known for their Christian commitments Bill Maher and Donald Trump are sounding uh, uh, very much like far-right European nationalists when they're talking about Islam. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've gotten to hear some of the comments of Bill Maher, but when people, uh, you know, he's obviously at the far left, and when he gets pressed, oh, wait a minute now, Christians uh, do evil things too. He shoots right back. No, they don't. They don't do anything like this. See, he's, he is challenging this way of speaking. He's challenging, uh, as is Trump, this way of thinking about this post-moral uh, risk society way of thinking about life. And that represents, in a very real way, a post-secular way of thinking about religion and civilization. It's not necessarily Christian. It is post-secular, and I think we're going to see more and more and more of that. And I think that's going to bode very well for us. Uh, so, yes, it's going to be rough. Yeah, there's going to be, especially as regards the Second Amendment. Yes, it's going to be because, you know, Second Amendment, of course, is rooted in a, uh, the, uh, the, the natural law tradition of self-preservation. Well, traditions don't fare very well in risk societies. They'll throw those things away, you know, uh, easily. So I do think yep. um, it's going to be rough, but I also see a mass backlash and undercurrent, and, uh, and therefore I think we can speak with a lot of confidence and hope. Awesome. It was wonderful to have you again. Thank you so much for coming on. We are absolutely out of time. God bless you, uh, brother. And Dr. Stephen Turley is our guest. Go read his article firsthand. Share, share, share. God bless you, folks. Uh, we love you. If you support the show, get involved. And uh, we sincerely and deeply appreciate it. God bless you. God bless America. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.